Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, we're currently in San Fernando and we're going to be taking a bus to Manila later on today. So uh, we'll be seri- uh, continuing our series of podcasts over there in Manila and we're documenting our entire trip on daddyblogger.com with a lot of pictures, videos, blog posts, and social media, and much more. And on our podcast series, we love interviewing fellow world travelers, fellow expats, fellow coaches, fellow online course creators, and we have one on the show here today. Our guest today is joining us live on location from beautiful Barcelona, Spain. His name is Richard Butler, and he's living there as an expat. He's also doing uh, private business coaching. He's actually known as Richard Butler, the success coach. Uh, you can check him out, Richard Butler, the success coach. Plus, he's an online course creator with a common friend, Scott Patton, who's actually a former uh, guest on the show. And also, he's been uh, my co-host for a lot of the shows as well. So, um, Richard and Scott have a lot of online courses, which I'll have some links uh, down below as well. Uh, so, on today's episode, we're super excited to get Richard on to talk about his journey to become an expat uh, in uh, Barcelona, Spain, his journey to be a business coach, and his expertise in terms of goal setting, mindset, mindfulness, self-awareness, uh, and much more. So, Richard, how are you doing in beautiful Barcelona today? I'm doing, I'm doing very well, Ricky, and it's a, it's a great honor to be asked to be on this podcast after such great names that I've seen and so many different people on it. And beautiful Barcelona is a little bit overcast at the moment, so it's not as sunny, but it's still beautiful, <laughs> which is the main thing. Yes, I love Barcelona. I think it's one of my, I mean, I know it's one of my favorite cities in, uh, in all of Europe. It's so hard to say what is my definitive favorite, mm. but it's definitely one of the favorites. It's an amazing city with so much energy and vitality. And I actually see myself living there, not maybe long term, but at least for a few months. So who knows where the digital nomad journey will take us, but I'm sure it will take us to Barcelona and I'd love to meet in person as well. Uh, I look forward to this. <laughs> why don't we share a little bit of your story, like in terms of your background, and uh, because we brought up Barcelona, tell us about your background and what brought you to Barcelona and what uh, you know, brought you as Oof. a coach. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Uh, so my background, how far do we go back? Um, let me go back to 2007 because that'll put it some sort of context in it. 2007, um, my first marriage broke up and it was, it was pretty devastating for me. And after a couple of months, I met somebody else. And the interesting thing was that she was from Barcelona. And we became friends and I traveled over and I visited her family and... Love blossomed in Barcelona, shall we say? And it was it was at that point that I thought I would I'd love to live in Barcelona. And I always remember uh, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, uh, said to me, she said, "Well, living in Barcelona is completely different to going on a holiday in Barcelona." And I always remember that. And she she said that to me. She said, "Yeah, when you come over for the weekend, it's all fun, fun, fun. But living here is is completely different." So um, that was quite interesting. And then we we had talked about moving to Barcelona because she was living in Ireland and she'd been living in Ireland eleven years. And I had been applying for different jobs. I'd been working freelance, and I wanted to go back into sort of the corporate world for a while. So I was looking at different positions, and I managed to uh, see a job in Barcelona. And I thought I'm going to apply for it, but. I'm applying from Ireland, so there'll probably be no hope of actually getting this job. About 15 minutes later, uh, the recruitment consultant actually rang me and said, I'd like to do an interview. So this is where the panic starts. It's like, oh my God, they want to interview me. This could actually go somewhere. So long story short, uh, after a number of interviews, I actually got the job. And the job was training as um, training on their internal uh, uh, database system. And it was based in Barcelona because I would have to travel to South America and I would have to travel around Europe. So this was the, the, the dream job because I never thought of myself traveling to, to, to different countries. 
Um, I was the perfect candidate because I, I spoke the language. I was, I've been a trainer for the last 20 years and I had family in Barcelona at that time. So moving over was not a big deal. They didn't have to do relocation packages or anything. So I, I, I did that. Uh, my girlfriend stayed over there. Three years later, she moved over. And I traveled a lot for the first three years. And we're talking about most of South America, uh, most of Europe. I had amazing opportunities to do that. And in my journeys, what I found was that the people I met, no matter where you lived, you, everybody had the same challenges, the same problems, and the same worries. You know, whether you're in Bogota, whether you're in uh, Santiago in Chile, whether you're in Mexico, everybody still has the same sort of thoughts and, and questions and problems, and they wonder about life. Now, while doing this job, I also do a lot of coaching. And I do a lot of it in the evenings I do coaching. I do online coaching. I have some uh, coaching groups. But the fundamental things kept coming up. Um, the same worries that people had, the same worries that people had within the corporate world, etc. So... I started looking into this and seeing, well, there's a number of things that were coming up. Goal setting was one thing. Mindset was definitely another thing that was affecting everybody. And even people with full-time jobs, even people who were directors, who were managers, they still always wondered, they got to a point where they wondered, is this it? And a lot of them became what I think is enlightened, that they realized that maybe there's more to life. So I, I started coaching I, while doing my, my, my full-time job. And it turned out very successful. And then it turned into courses, uh, which I started uh, this year with Scott Patton so that we could reach a wider audience. But always the same things came through. How was the expat life or, or, or how was the move? Very, very difficult because I had, from my previous marriage, um, I have a daughter. And leaving her, she was three or four, leaving her and telling her daddy's going away was really tough. And not only was that tough, but it was the repercussions that were tough as well of that over the last 10 years, I haven't really been there for. So I'm kind of, I'm, she still calls me dad, I'm still her dad, but that connection can be lost. And that as a father, I have found, and I know because you do the daddy blogger, but I've, I've just found that very, very difficult. Would I change things? I don't think so, because because of my marriage breakup, Ireland had a lot of memories for me and I do go back but I had a lot of memories so I think the, the move came out at the right time I always believe that things always come at the right time but I believe that the move came at the right time and helped me get through everything that actually happened and it's a topic that we could we could actually perhaps talk about on another one of, of, of divorce and how it affects men etc but it was really really it was really tough but Barcelona for me has now become has become home and I think perhaps we will travel but I will, I will definitely retire here because, as you said, there's something about Barcelona has everything. Um, it's, it's, it's safe. It's, it's, it's completely safe unless you walk around flashing, flashing the cash. Well, then obviously, like any city, it's going to be a little uh, uh, dodgy doing that. But it's very safe. The weather is fantastic. Beaches, mountains, the people, the food. The only thing... The only thing that people complain about Barcelona is the salaries are very low. So if you're a digital nomad, it's a perfect place because it's quite cheap. And if you're earning a good salary, it's perfect. So yeah, so that's a little bit about my history. Um, ask me any questions if, if you want any, <laughs> any more info on that. Yeah, no, I mean, we could talk on so many different angles. Like you said, there's the whole yeah. divorce and fatherhood paradigm. There's the whole living in Barcelona paradigm. There's the whole uh, uh, coaching paradigm. 
curious to know about when you're living in a country, uh, it's very important to integrate. And a lot of expats, they kind of isolate themselves. They stay in the expat bubble. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear mm -hmm. uh, kind of your thoughts around that. How have you been able to integrate? How have you made Barcelona home? Uh, what have you been your challenges in integration in terms of the culture and language? Talk about the integration mm -hmm. side of your uh, time in Barcelona. Okay, so uh, I guess I was lucky because I, I had the language. Um, now, when I went to university, I, I, studied, I studied Spanish, but for probably about five or six years or more, I never used it until I, I, I met my girlfriend. So having the language, I think, is essential because I remember watching a program on TV and it was um, about, uh, I won't mean, well, it was about English expats who were living in the, in, in the south of Spain and they couldn't believe that others couldn't speak English. And they'd been 10 years in the country and they didn't have a word of Spanish. So I think the first thing, if you want to integrate into a country, you need to have a basic, uh, a basic grasp of the language. Even when you go into the shop to ask, you know, how much is this, how much is that? Because people are actually very welcoming when you've actually made the effort to speak. You don't have to speak fluently, but if you can make the effort to say, you know, hello, good day, how much is this, uh, et cetera, or can you help me with this? People really appreciate that. And they will go to great length to try and understand you and to help you as much as they can. So I think that's the first thing. While when you go to a new country as well, I think the having expat friends is really is really good. Um, hanging out with expats is really good. But then the problem is that a lot of people don't break out from that circle. So they keep within that comfort zone of the circle. And again, sometimes what people will say, and I've seen it in Ireland as well, people say, well, the problem is that all the Irish or all the English, they all hang out together. They go to Irish bars, they go to English bars, and they don't try and integrate. And people may judge you on that and say, well, why don't they want to integrate with us? So I think integration is very important to learn a little bit about the culture, to uh, make friends. Now, I was lucky because, you know, a lot of the, uh, my wife's friends are now my friends as well. Um, but I, I, think, I think the language is very important, the integration. And one of the things is to understand the way as well business works here. Because, for example, uh, while Spain is great, the services industry can be a little bit difficult. Trying to get a bank account, trying to get mobile phones, trying to get internet, they can be quite inefficient, unfortunately. And the problem is that if you don't speak the language, you're going to have a major problem with that, trying to get yourself connected to the internet, etc. But if you understand that it may not, the country that you go to may not be as efficient as the country that you've just come from. Because I know, having visited the States on many occasions, that they can be so, uh, they can be so efficient. And then coming from the States to Spain, you may find that they're really inefficient. And they say, for example, I had to send a letter to Ireland and I went to the post office. And in the post office, they take their time. They're not in a hurry to, to deal with all the customers. They, they, they take their time. And I said, how long will it take for the letter to get to Ireland? And they said, oh, about 10 business days, so two weeks to get a letter from Spain to Ireland. And you go, what's going on here? <laughs> I know in the reverse, if I send something from Ireland to Spain, it takes just a couple of days. But once you understand those uh, oddities and those kind of things that make the country the way it is, you're going to have no problems. But if you go in thinking, this country has to be exactly the same as my home country that I've just left, then you may find that there's a bit of friction. So I, I think really just... Do research about the country before you go to it and understand all of the, what we might think are oddities are little weird things or whatever it may be. So uh, you've been doing uh, business coaching, success coaching. Tell us a little bit about your journey into becoming a coach. 
Some people, they okay. have a lot of confidence issues. Some people get certified. Some people just do it based on experience and expertise. Tell us about the actual beginning and the journey okay. at Success Coach so far. I think the beginning was probably 2004, 2005 that I, I thought, okay, I'm a trainer, but what more can I do? How can I add to this list of skills that I have? And the first thing that I did was actually, I did a, um, a certificate in neuro-linguistic programming or NLP, which I found complimented my training so much because one of the things NLP will help you with is how to communicate with people, how to build rapport. And I felt that's really important as a trainer. If I walk into a room, I want to make sure that I can communicate with these people effectively. And then that led me into hearing about coaching. So I did, I think it was a, an eight month course. Uh, I was uh, two, two evenings a week and every second weekend on life coaching and how to actually do and become a life coach. And a lot of strategies were uh, discussed there, etc. And the problem with the coaching industry is that it can be quite unregulated. And many people call themselves a coach because they've done something. And I've seen this certainly in the uh, sort of internet marketing sphere, yes. et cetera, that people call themselves coach. I, I'm a coach, but they don't really have the skills. Now, I think you can do, it's like everything. You can do certificates, you can do masters, you can do PhDs, but I think it's something innate in the person. And the, the key thing is communication and listening. For me as a coach, that is the most important thing, that sometimes people want a sounding board. Now, as a, for me, as a good coach, I don't think you can ever have the answers to some of these problems. You, I say that a coach is like a key that unlocks the answers that the person already has. Now, why do I say that? Because if, if you come to me, Ricky, and you say, I want to make a business investment in such and such a company, what should I do? And I say, Ricky, I think it's an excellent idea. If that goes belly up, if something happens with that, the problem is, that you're going to say, oh, well, it wasn't my fault. Richard advised me to do that. Or Richard, my coach, told me to do that. So as a coach, I would say, well, what do you think? Do you think it's a good idea? You need to think this through. Because if I give you the answer, you're moving responsibility away from yourself. And the whole idea of coaching is really for you to become responsible for your own actions. Because we blame a lot of people about things. Uh, I didn't get that job promotion because my boss doesn't like me. Now, maybe because you didn't prepare well enough, and that's why your boss doesn't like you. Maybe, whatever it may be. So over here in Spain, what I've focused on a lot is, um, well, I do some language coaching as well with people to prepare them, for example, for uh, job interviews, to build more confidence for uh, speaking. For example, I have a couple of managers that I do coaching with, and I help them with their English, and I help them how to actually present themselves better. So I'm, I'm kind of mixing in one area, which is uh, English language teaching, with coaching as well. So managers come to me, for example, I have somebody who's a, a logistics manager of a big pharmaceutical and he comes to me because he says, okay, listen, I have, a, I have to have a talk with my new manager who's American, she's in um, Switzerland and we have face-to-face -face calls every week. I need, to, I need to know what to do there. So I blend that in. A lot of it as well is career coaching. And then I thought, well, one-on-one -on -one coaching is good, but how can I widen that audience? And again, that's where the Udemy courses came in, that I can now do one-to-many rather than one-to-one. -one. And I have found that that's been really successful. And I've been able to develop more and more topics, um, ranging from goal-setting, mindfulness, which is, which is extremely important. And this is a topic that I've talked with um, Scott a lot about, and, and, and we put this course together about mindfulness, because... I think in this day and age, we're not mindful. We're not living in the moment. We're thinking, what's going on out there? What, what happened to me in my past? Why did that happen? Uh, what am I going to do next week? How is this going to affect me next year? 
and we're not thinking about right now what is actually happening. And we're not in, we're, we're, we're human doings rather than human beings. We're not being in the moment. We're not conscious of the present moment. So that's another course that we looked at. From that, that developed into, I started to get very interested in self-awareness and getting to know yourself better because this is one of the problems that a lot of the times we don't know who we are. And it's a question that I ask in nearly every course I do is, who are you? Right. And this is, it's a huge question and it has so many levels. But all of these, that fundamental question has actually led into a lot of different courses. Um, it's something that's affecting a lot of people. And I think people get to a certain age, they hit their 30s, they hit their 40s. And I think a lot of people wake up and both, both mentally, physically, everything, and they say, what am I doing? And they say, who am I, where am I, and how did I get here? Yeah. And this is where I go in to try and uh, assist them to, to search for the answers. Wow, what a big question. You know, that's the question we all ask ourselves at many points during our life. And so Socrates said it really well. He said, uh, know yourself and to uh, thyself be true. And the problem is, like, if you don't know yourself, how can you be true to yourself, right? And we all go through this in terms of like integrity, in terms of like vulnerability, in terms of like the depth of what we're doing in terms of career. And, uh, you know, part of why we travel is to figure out who we are. I mean, travel is really liberating and allows us the time, space. Um, you, you, know, mentioned, you mentioned like uh, you move from um, Ireland to Spain to get away from your pain and your past. And that's mm. a lot of the reason people travel too, is they, their uh, mm. past prevents them from really discovering who they are as well. So uh, what, are your, what are your ways? I mean, um, I outlined a few ways there, but what are your strategies and tips and advice for people who want to figure out that deep, deep, deep inner who are they question? Oof. Uh, how, how long do we have? <laughs> we have as well, long as we can uh, take. <laughs> <laughs> okay, two days later. Um, the question, it's an interesting question because when I ask people, they say, I am a dad. I am a husband. I am... Uh, a, a manager but that is what you do that is the role that you play and the deeper question there is what is the essence of Ricky what is the essence of Richard and I think that comes down to a more emotional response you know I'm a kind person I'm a, I'm a loving person but still the person has to has to find that out because it's a question that I think has it's nearly a it, it it's nearly a bottomless pit for, for an answer because there are so many levels. But I think if you look at the essence of the person, you know, who is the person? Because I, because I am not a coach. That's not who I am. That's not what makes me up. It's all of the, well, as Scott even said, it could be down to all of the atoms that make me up. But I think it is the person, the personality, the characteristics of that particular person. Once you know that, you can build yourself up again because a lot of the times people are who they are because of their beliefs, because of their values, because of what they were told in school, because of what their parents told them. But those were the influences. And I, there comes a point where you have to ask yourself, well, are these beliefs true? Because lots of people believe the earth was flat. Well, there's still some people who still think that, but you know, many, many uh, centuries ago, people believed that. And that was a belief system that people said that is true and nobody really questioned it. Um, the one minute mile is another thing that I always like to, like to bring up. Um, Roger Bannister, I believe it was, that he broke the one minute, uh, not the one minute, sorry, it wasn't a one minute, a mile, but he broke the record for, the, for running a mile. I think it, maybe it stood at four minutes and then he got it down to three minutes, 40 seconds, something like this. And people thought it was impossible. And as soon as he broke that uh, record, 
other people said, okay, well, I can break that record too. And I think eventually it went down and down and down, lower and lower of how long it took to run a mile. So the problem is once we have a belief about ourselves, that can hold us back. I can't do this. I can't be this person. And we need to pull back and we need to look at our beliefs and say, are they actually useful? Is it true? Am I this person that I think I am? Am I a bad person? Am I a bad father? Am I a bad partner? Well, no, maybe you're believing this and what you believe is making you do those particular things. Yes, absolutely. I'm really glad you put it that way too, because a lot of people define themselves based on the roles or the careers, uh, but you have defined themselves in terms of the essence, and that's really uh, powerful, right? Um, are there some tools you would suggest to figure out this question? Like, for example, a lot of people think it's like the Myers-Briggs or the MBTI or uh, the colors test or the personality tests or uh, some questionnaires or enagrams or like what kind of tools can we use uh, besides just all the questioning and the reflection, any kind of tools uh, that you use in your coaching or you want to suggest to our audience here today, Richard? I think, yeah, I have, I have a number of worksheets that I use and that, that I provide in the courses or to, to coaching students, but at a very fundamental level, a piece of paper, a notebook and a pen and write down that question. Who am I? And just start writing answers and let your mind just do a brain dump, okay, of anything. It doesn't matter what comes to mind, but start writing down everything that you can think of. Who am I? And eventually then what you can do is you can start maybe blocking things into certain categories. Ah, so I, I seem to be saying a lot about what I'm actually doing. Okay, that's not me. I seem to be saying a lot of negative things. Okay, well, maybe I need to think of positive things. And to write everything down, that is at a very basic level that you can do yourself without having to invest in, as you say, personality tests, etc. cetera. Um, I think asking people as well, you know, asking people that you have, that you have, um, that you trust, you know, how do you see myself? How do you see me? Because sometimes we see ourselves as one thing mm -hmm. and other people see you as an amazing person. You know, sometimes you get compliments and people say, Ricky, your, your podcast is amazing. And you think, well, it's, it's okay. I, I, I do it so often that I think it's just okay. But you have, you've become so immersed in it that you, you don't see it. Or people say, Ricky, you're an amazing dad. And you think, no, I'm just a normal dad. But no, so you're amazing to other people. So I would ask people that as well. What, what do you think of me? You know, what do you think I could improve on? What do you think is my essence? Is it my, like, for example, if somebody said to me, what is your, what is your essence? I would say, well, I'm very easygoing. I'm very professional. I don't take life too seriously when I, when, you know, when there's a major problem. Yes, but I try and not get so stressed out about, about life. And I think that is, that to me is my, my essence. And I can, I can make people relax. Uh, people open up to me. People like to talk to me, etc. So getting back to your original question, uh, the tools. I would use a lot of questionnaires, but at a very basic level, I would say, write down, who am I? Write down how you see yourself and then ask people how they see you and see what you can come out from that. And then obviously take a coaching session with me. We'll also help. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's it. I think fundamentally, you know, I, we could say, oh, well, you have to invest in such a program. You have to do this. You have to do that. No, I think you can start yourself and start writing down. And if you see a lot of negative, negative things coming out, what I would do is I would then start questioning all those negative things. I'm not very good at speaking with people. Okay, so I would immediately say to that question, I'd say, so you never speak to anybody. And then the person says, no, of course I speak to people. Okay, so who do you speak to? Well, I speak to my boss, I speak to my colleagues. Ah, so you are a good speaker. 
well, and then you try and break down that limiting belief that they've had that they're not a good speaker. Or I'm very shy. Okay, so you're very shy, so you never talk to anybody. No, well, of course, I talk to people when I go to the supermarket. Okay, so you can talk to people. So maybe you just need to improve on how you talk to people. Maybe it's not that you're shy at all. Because we always have these things. And the key thing is to listen to yourself. And why? Because that inner critic that we have who sits on our shoulder and tells us we're not good enough is probably the worst influence that we have. And we don't realize, because we've been listening to this inner critic so long, we don't even realize how negative we are talking about ourselves. You look in the mirror, God, I'm, I'm so overweight. Nobody's going to, how can people like me? You know, I'm so overweight. Or I have a beard. How are people going to like me? Or this eyebrow is longer than this eyebrow. And we criticize ourselves so much. And that is that voice is also telling us who we are, but in a very negative way. So I think you have to be careful of that as well, of talking to your yourself and how you talk to yourself. So listen to your inner critic for a day or two and note down all the negative things that you actually say about yourself. Yeah, beautifully put, beautifully put there in terms of, uh, I love what you're saying there, like just start writing down and also get other people to uh, reflect back on you because even all of these like tests, they're all limited as well, right? If you're just answering all these questions and doing all these tests, and but the, the true essence of just you writing and the catharsis is going to actually help you answer that much better. So yeah, I love this. And I'm, we've already answered the easy question uh, of who are you? So let's go to another easy question about success. Uh, you know, when is that your specialty, right? So you are known as the success coach and success means a lot of things to different people. Just like who are you question, right? The identity question. So, when it comes to success, I'd love to start there. What does success okay. mean to you, Richard? And uh, how do you actually teach people about it? Okay, so if I ask people what is success, the very first answer they will say is money. They will think of cars. They will think of a beautiful partner. They will think of a big house, etc. But I always say, okay, we need to dig deeper than that because those are things. Those are things, and those things can go. They can come into your life, etc. What is success for me? Success for me is helping people. Success for me is feeling free that I can do what I want to do when I want to do it, that I can do things that I enjoy. That, to, that for me is success. Obviously, I want to make money. And money is important because we have to live, we have to pay bills, we have to pay for nice restaurants, etc. if we want to go out and eat. But it's not... It's, it used to be things. For me, it used to be things. I used to like to buy things. I used to always want to buy another laptop, buy whatever it be, maybe. But that gives a momentary feeling of, of success, of joy, and then it goes. So again, this is, success is something that you have to look deeper and say, what is it? It's relationships. It's having good friends. It's living in a nice uh, city. Uh, I feel successful. I live in a small apartment, but I live in Barcelona. But I still feel successful because... Who am I going to show a big house to? And why do I want a big house, really? Okay, sure, I, I'd like a... My, my ultimate dream is, and, and it will become a reality, is to have an apartment by the sea. Small apartment. I already have it visualized. It's going to be a top floor, small apartment, little uh, terrace where I can look out onto the sea and I can do barbecues. That, to me, would be success. And it's come up a couple of times with a couple of clients that I've had uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, there's a story, I believe it was uh, Tony Robbins tells it, and the story goes something like this really successful businessman is over on some island and he's looking at all these fishermen who are just sitting fishing and he says, I work so hard because one day I'm going to be like you. 
And they kind of go, well, we are just who we are. We don't have to work so hard to then have a simple life. We just have a simple life. <laughs> and I think, I think what happens to us is that, I, I think where it all comes from is we are sold a particular story when we're young. And this story is go to school, get good grades, go to college, get a degree, uh, get a good job, get married, have 2.5 children, which I don't know how you have 2.5 children, uh, buy the house with a white picket fence, and then you are a success. And, and I see my friends back in Ireland, and you know, success is having a house with a south-facing garden so that you get sunshine. And that is, the, that is the epitome of success, that you are successful because you have the big house. And while, while, I, while I have no issues with that, I think we have been sold this image that this is what you must do. But if you look at a lot of the successful people, Richard Branson, for example, dyslexic, dropped out of college, and look where he is now. You look at uh, Steve Jobs, you look at Bill Gates. You know, all of these people had opportunities to do the, the traditional route and they just, well, to, to, to quote Apple, think differently. They just decided to do something different. So, again, I would ask people to try and define success. And immediately when they talk about material things, I would say, okay, look deeper, look deeper, look deeper. Because do these things actually make you, make you happy? Uh, I think success is experiences as well. For example, you are very successful. You've had life-changing experiences traveling to all these countries that other people haven't. And the same with uh, our, our common friend, Scott Patton. Yes. That, you know, I think he's been traveling the world for 18 months, you know? And he goes around and, you know, he, he helps people on his travels. He does courses, etc. But it's not that he's flying in private jets, etc. A lot of people would say, oh, he's not successful because he should be flying in a private jet and blah, blah, blah. It, it depends on what you want. But I think, um, I think a lot of the problem is that people look to Facebook, they look to Instagram. And they see the successful people who are wearing particular brands, who are in particular places, who are out on yachts, whatever it may be. And they see that image as that is what success is. And I think, I think this is more and more problematic now because the younger generation are seeing that. The younger generation are seeing these Instagram, YouTube influencers, that this is what success is. Yes, it's it's a uh, it's a very much a subjective uh, quality, uh, you know, uh, very similar to this "Who Are You" question. The success question, uh, there is no objective answer. That's why uh, I'm glad you defined it, uh, you know, like uh, like the way you did. For you, it's your vision. Your vision is success. It's the the apartment. Yes. Some people's vision is like, I want to have a mansion, and a small apartment is is, is, is too small for me, right? So they would rather have a mansion, maybe in like a, not on the beach, right? So like you value the beach and uh, other person might value the size of the house and they don't care about the beach element. So there's so many variables there. And I'm glad you brought it up like Scott and me. Scott and me are definitely, you know, like the typical middle-class everyday people. We're not rich by any strand of the imagination. Mm -hmm. So we've just figured out a way and that to us is success, quote unquote. So uh, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I think it's a, it's a personal definition, you know, and for example, there's a, uh, a very successful uh, British marketer, well, he's Welsh, uh, Alex Jeffries, and he's, uh, he's now moved over to the States. And I did an interview with him, and he actually said, well, he said, I went over and I, did, I bought the big house. I had the big, the really big house and everything. And he said, actually, I wasn't that happy with it. So he actually downsized. He still has a big house, but he downsized from this big American dream house. Because he said, I wasn't really happy with it. It was, it was too big. So if you want to define success, you have to define it on your terms. And... I think when you answer the question of who am I, what do I want, what are my goals, 
then you may see that it's not just materialistic. You may see that it, it, there is a deeper thing because the other thing is if you chase success of the big house and the car, etc., you may lose other things. Maybe you're working so hard that your kids don't see you. Maybe you're working so hard that your partner doesn't see you. So when you reach that success, suddenly they say, oh, well, I'm off because you never looked after us. So you have to look at all that. It's, it's a holistic approach as well, I believe, that you know, if you work your 20 hours a day, it's going to affect your health, it's going to affect your relationships, et cetera. So I'm curious to know again, uh, in terms of coaching, uh, so when it comes to success coaching, tell us a little bit about the process there and how can people become more successful? Like uh, what are your tips and strategies to do that? Okay, so I, I think the first thing they need to do is, um, or what I would do is, I would do like an intake questionnaire and I would ask them various questions of, you know, where they seem that they're blocked, uh, what, their, what their current situation is, and what they define uh, as, well, how do they define their goals? And then we would, again, talk about success. Now, for example, I'm working with, with, with uh, one, one guy at the moment, and uh, one of the big problems that he has now is financial problems. You know, he says, you know, I have all these ideas, and I want to do this, but he said, I can't do it. So we went through a lot of things, and he was showing me his ideas, and he was showing me his website. And I said, well, you know, basically you have everything that you need because you have your website up. You need to do a little bit of work on it. Uh, definitely. You need to put up pictures of projects that you've done because he does um, uh, small spaces. He renovates small spaces so that they can become more optimized. And I said, this is perfect. You know, this is what, what we all need. You know, you have that garage with all the, all the junk in it and you want to make uh, a better space out of it. So what I did with him then was I looked and I said, okay, so what you need to do is you need to, you have your website, you need to put before and after pictures, you need to come up with what is the package that you're actually offering. Because he said, well, what we do is we convert small spaces and we clean them up, et cetera. Okay, so what is the package? If you have to sell this to somebody, what is the package? Um, and then we had, you know, we looked at seeing how to define his goals. So I said, okay, what we're gonna do is we're gonna have a check-in in a couple of weeks and what I want you to have done is X, Y, and Z. Okay, I said, I said let's be realistic. You're also working. You do a very physical job because he's a, he's a gardener and a landscaper. And I said, don't, don't fool yourself by saying I'm going to do two hours a day on my website. Do 45 minutes every three days. But those 45 minutes are just for that and build it up like that. Now, that's just a particular uh, case of him. But in general, I think goal setting is probably the key is to ask people what are their goals and why have you failed in your goals before? And rather than saying... When I say fail, what I really say is, what feedback have you had from your goals before? Why? Because failure is negative. Whereas if you look at everything as uh, something you can learn from, well, then it's much easier. So in NLP, we say there's no such thing as failure. It's only feedback. So I wasn't a failure because I didn't reach this goal. What was the feedback uh, that I can learn from it? And how can I use this feedback in order to improve? And I think that is that is one of the keys. And then... Goal setting is great, and writing down goals is fantastic. But the most important thing about goal setting is actually taking the first step and taking action. Because you can write beautiful goals, and you can fill a notebook full of goals, and you can do whatever it may be, but if you don't take action, that is where the problem is for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You see this with resolutions as well, right? Like everyone makes a resolution, but then like they fail, and they're like, resolutions don't work. But the other people, they set resolutions and they, they follow through and they do it and they, it works, right? 
but most people actually don't take yeah. action. So therefore, they just generalize like, oh, goal setting is work, resolutions to work. And it's, it's kind of like this huge generalization because it did not work for them. So what do you thought? Yeah. And a lot of the time, what the problem is that once they set the goals, they have a feeling of satisfaction. And they sit back and they think, ah, I've done it. I've set my goals. And then, now I'm a great fan of the secret, but one of the things I've always found in the secret is that sometimes they don't emphasize enough or I certainly didn't feel that they emphasized enough that you have to take action. You know, you can't just sit there. And I believe in affirmations, etc. but you can't sit there and say, you know, I'm going to receive a check for $1,000. I'm going to receive a check for $1,000. I'm going to receive a check for $1,000. And then suddenly it comes in the post. There has to be some action behind it in order to get that. Uh, or to open up your mind to an opportunity that may come towards your, um, uh, may come towards you. And one of the things actually, and, I, and I'll send you a link for it. I don't know if you've ever seen the video on YouTube. It was an experiment they did called, Can You Spot the Gorilla? And it's an amazing, I, I, I won't say any more, I'll let you uh, YouTube it and I'll, I'll send you a link. But it's a very, interesting, uh, a very interesting video about focus. And what we focus on, we get more of. And the, the, the problem is that the mind, the subconscious, isn't really um, saying this is good or this is bad. It just says, if you're focusing on this, I'll, I'll bring you more of it. I'll give you more evidence to, to prove that you're good, to prove that you're bad, to prove that you're useless, to prove that you're amazing. So we have to be very careful on what we focus on as well. So that would be a key thing because a lot of the times we focus on negative things. I'll actually have that uh, the gorilla link below so then people can click right through and watch uh, the, the reference yeah. there. I'm so curious to know about this whole area of uh, mindset and mindfulness and self-awareness because this obviously has a factor in terms of people achieving success and a lot of us we have that critical thinking like oh i'm not good enough i can't do it it might be for the past or it might be bullying or it might be just their own failures in the past so i love your tips there uh you've given us a lot of tips in a lot of areas so far but what are your tips about mindfulness and mindset and positivity and awareness okay so i, I think everything comes from mindset um, if you don't have the mind, the right mindset, you can have all of the opportunity, you can have all of the, the goals that you want. But if you don't believe that you can succeed, well, then that can cause problems. Um, the problem is that, that a lot of the times, I think as humans, I think we actually, uh, we seem to be hardwired towards negativity, that it's not going to work out. Um, and that things aren't going to be, I'm not good enough to do that. So like I said earlier, one of the things you have to look at is that inner critic, because that's the one that's really telling you all these things. This, this is the thing that's saying to you, you know, you're not good enough, etc. Now, that brings us into uh, the whole mindfulness area that you need to live in the moment, because the past is the past, and the future, the future hasn't happened yet, as far as I know, unless, unless anybody has a time machine, but the future hasn't actually happened. So all we really do have is this present moment. Um, of course, what we do now is going to help us in the future. But if you start delving into the past and, 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 you know, why did this happen? Why, 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 why? Well, your mind is going to give you reasons why this happened. And more than likely, it's going to be negative. So what you're doing then is you're building more negative ideas into your head if you have to know the answer to why something happened in the past. I would look at it and say, like I said to you, I would look at it and say, well, what's the feedback? Okay. So... Um, this didn't work out for me. Well, what's the feedback I can learn from? I wasn't prepared enough. I didn't uh, prepare for the interview enough. I didn't uh, look after uh, my health good and, uh, well enough. So that's why I had this health problem. So 
I can I can think and think and think and think on why why did I smoke why did I drink why did I do this why did I do that but what you have is now so be mindful and think okay so now what can I do well today I can go for a walk today I can watch what I'm eating today I can do this rather than dwell and cause yourself more problems in the present because you're thinking of the past so I think mindfulness is well mindset mindfulness those two things are extremely important. And then having a clear definition of what you want, that's going to help you get success. Now, they often say, and I'm a firm believer in this, that the destination is not as important as the journey because what you learn along the way is going to be so, so important. Because if you get too fixated on the destination, I have to do this, well, then you may, again, you might be mindful of the journey and you might be enjoying what's actually happening. And I do think goals have to change as situations change. But what you're learning on the journey is really important. So maybe uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I had a different destination. But I realized that, okay, now the destination has to change. Like, for example, when you're driving a car and there's a roadblock, you have to curve off. You have to go through a different area and maybe you see different things, etc. So be aware that you may set a goal. But that goal, suddenly you may realize, actually, that's not what I want. Or you might say, well, I want to redefine that goal. And that is perfectly okay to actually do that, to redefine your goals. And I would actually encourage you that you look maybe every six months and redefine your goals. Do I still actually want this? Do I still want that big house? Do I still want to travel to Mexico? Do I still want? Because maybe your ideas have changed. And an example was that five years ago, I would have wanted to move to South America for a position. I'd always said in in annual reviews, this is the position that I want. And that position came up about two years ago, and I realized that it wasn't actually what I want. It didn't align with where I was at the moment. So, you know, be very flexible as well. And I know that you can have flexibility, and there's nothing wrong with being flexible in your actual goals. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, Richard, in conclusion here, uh, why do we start the way we ended? Uh, sorry, end the way we started in terms of like you talk about your personal, uh, let's end with the personal in terms of your personal vision, your personal goals. You know, you mentioned the seaside resort, resort uh, with a condo. Tell us a little bit about your vision for the future in terms of your life, your business, your travels and more. Wow. <laughs> uh... Easy questions, easy questions today, Richard. Easy questions. Well, definitely would like to travel more uh, because I think traveling is, you know, it's, it's very enlightening to see different cultures, to see, to see the similarities and to see the differences. Um, Business-wise, I want to actually start up more group coaching programs to help more people and also develop more courses. My goal at the beginning of the year was to have 12 Udemy courses. I think at the moment I had six. So, it's not bad. If I can get to eight, I would be happy. If I can get to 10, I would be uh, more than happy. But, you know, I, I want to make sure that I put out quality courses rather than just rush a course and say, okay, now I have 12 courses, but the 12, uh, they're, they're, the extra six are not that good. So, so that's another thing. Um, ultimately, as I say, I think I would like to see the next 10, 10 years more travel, um, but always returning back, I think, to Barcelona because we do have an idea of maybe moving to New York for a couple of years. That there's a couple of logistical things that we need to um, sort out. But definitely more traveling and even more sort of living the nomad life like uh, like you and Scott. <laughs> well, in that case, I'm sure a path is going to cross. Uh, maybe it won't be in Barcelona. It might be here in the Philippines. It might be in another. It could part. be or in Peru. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? 
Uh, so in conclusion, you've been a wealth of experience and expertise in all these areas. We talked about being an expat and, um, you know, mm. goal, set, goal setting and success and mindfulness. And mindfulness. Man, we covered a lot. So uh, if people wanted to uh, get a hold of you and pick your brain a little bit more, maybe even get uh, some coaching from yourself in terms mm. of the areas we talked about, how can they reach out? What's your website, social media, and more? Okay, so so yeah, they, they, they can they can reach me. The the, the main hub is uh, Richard Butler at the SuccessCoach.com, which you have, uh, which you'll have in the description, and then on Facebook as well. I have a, a, a professional Udemy uh, page where I give a lot of tips and I uh, give information about my courses. They can also visit my Udemy page, which as well we we'll, we'll have in the description. Um, and you know they can they can search for me, Richard Butler, Success Coach, and they will find me through Google. I hope. <laughs> Yes, unless there's another Richard uh, Butler, the success coach. As there's well. a lot of Richard Butlers, but I think there's only one Richard Butler, the success coach, I hope. <laughs> yes, there's no identity thefts out there, are there? Well, there's always, but hopefully not. <laughs> awesome. So I'll have the links below, uh, Richard Butler, the success coach.com, and also to Richard's uh, YouTube, uh, Udemy courses and Facebook and more. Mm. So, Richard, uh, thank you. It was great to connect here and to talk a little about these uh, great topics we discussed here. And I look forward to connecting again, Richard. Excellent, Ricky. And anything you need, if we, we need to do another podcast about any of the topics, just let me know and we can arrange that. Well, you know what? I'm going to get the listeners to make that decision. What out of Richard's talk here would you want to hear more about? I mean, was it the identity piece? Was it the goal setting piece? Was it a mindfulness and mindset piece? Or was it all of the above? You just want to hear Richard Moore. <laughs> let, let us know, and we will, we will, we will bring you back to cover a lot more details. Uh, so, Richard, thanks again, my friend, and we'll catch up with you soon. Talk to you very soon. Thank you, Ricky. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode from our Digital Nomad Mastery podcast and videocast. Once again, uh, make sure you uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. We have all the video versions also on iTunes. Help us to stay up there on the iTunes rankings, and we'll catch up with you guys soon. Happy travel.